So we're at the end of uh, this letter to the Galatians, and I'm going to do a little bit of roaming today. I'm going to grab up some threads that have been uh, present in the letter so far, but appear here at the end, some sort of final themes that we haven't um, spoken a huge amount about. And I'm going to take uh, three steps to do it. The first, I'll give you where we're going to go uh, at the beginning, and then we can just walk back over that same ground. We're going to start by thinking about the fact that the cross is offensive, or the message of Jesus, the Savior, crucified, a crucified leader, king, is an offensive message. Then we're going to think about two different responses to that fact. The first being that we can either adjust the message, take off the sharp edges so that it's less offensive, and in doing so, save ourselves, preserve our lives, avoid pain, and increase our comfort, or... We can embrace the message of the cross in all of its offense and discover in that message that this is the only place for our joy, our boasting, our salvation. And as we embrace that message fully, let's embrace all that comes with that message, which is the the suffering that comes with a message that's offensive. We follow a saviour who is crucified and we carry the message of crucifixion. And it's a message that offends and brings hostility with it. That's just part of what it is. But it is wonderfully glorious at the same time. So let's start with this message of the cross being offensive. It's not exactly the best marketing, is it? (laughs) Especially if you've come to visit or exploring the Christian faith. But it is. It's It's got an offensive side to it. And if you've only heard a message that's not offensive in some way to you, if you're not a Christian, then you've not really heard the message properly yet. Here's why I'm saying that the message is offensive. If you just go back in chapter 5, verse 11, just so you know, this is not just me off on one. Um, flying a kite, apparently, that's the saying. I hope I'm not doing that. Chapter 5, verse 11. Paul says, Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, that for those who haven't been with us the whole way, if I'm, I'm still saying that you need to both trust in Jesus and be circumcised and keep the law if in order to secure eternal life, the inheritance of receiving the new, being a part of the new creation, and being declared righteous by God. If you want those blessings, if you want to be a part of the people of God and receive those blessings, then you need to both trust in Jesus and keep the law. Now, 
Paul says, if I was preaching that message, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, in other words, if I'd stuck that piece of law-keeping on as well, the offence of the cross has been abolished. The offence of the cross, that would remove the offence of the cross. Adding work. So there it is, right there. And look, we can see that there's offence also in our verses in verse 12. The only reason those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Persecuted because the message of the cross is offensive. Well, here we get to stand back a tiny bit and say, well, why? Why this offense about the cross and why would this message bring this hostility? There's a whole bunch of reasons. Because the message of the cross speaks about human wickedness. The message of the cross says, as Christ stands there crucified, what's happening is this is a declaration on the world, a judgment on the world. It is a a word to the world saying, here is what sin deserves. Sin deserves death. Your wickedness is so great that death is what's required. That's the only solution for this world. That's an offensive message. It also says... Your wickedness is so great that when God comes into the world, this is what you do with him. Jesus is God. He's come into the world. The beginning of John. But the world didn't want God. And we may say, oh no, it's that's so extreme. That's not what I would do to God. <laughs> that's precisely what somebody would say who would do that to God. Because at the heart of the crucifixion, what's happening is we're saying we want the light out. We don't want the voice of God in our worlds. We want to stop that noise of my conscience. I want that external word telling me what is right and wrong to be turned off, please. I don't want an external rule, an authority over my life setting, determining the limits of what I can do. If there's any of that in you, then you want to turn out the light too. You want to silence that voice. What that ultimately results in when that noise won't stop, or in other words, when Jesus is living in the world and won't zip it, is we've got to get rid of him. He's got to go. And people will do all kinds of ways to to make out that they're not uh, to blame. The Pharisees will prod the crowd. The the crowd will say, we can't do it, get Pilate to do it. But ultimately, everybody's guilty. The message of the cross is offensive because it tells us both how wicked we are, what we do to God, we crucify God, and also what we deserve. We deserve death. The message of the cross is also offensive because it speaks of human inability. It says to us, you can't save yourself. 
You can't rescue yourself. You can't fix your life. You're incapable of of restoring yourself to God. There's no way for you to do it. You need God to intervene to save you. The message of the cross is also offensive because it speaks of finality and sufficiency. Death is such an extreme end, isn't it? It's not, death is not like, um, uh, sitting in the naughty corner. Sitting, sitting in the naughty corner would be a potential punishment. But it's not as extreme. It doesn't take it all the way to the very end. A crucified saviour says, when the message, uh, the penalty is death, it says that this is the final, there's no further extremity that could be taken with your life. It goes all the way up to the point of death and it goes all the way to the very edges of your life. It says there's no, there's no escape for you. There's no, there's no way for you to say that you sort of deserve not to die. Death is final. It's extreme. It's, it's at its extremity and it's completely exclusive because if the message for us is if the message of the cross is the only way to save you is through a crucified saviour then it's saying all other ways are cut off there's there's a single path to salvation that means that this is why the offense comes with the Jews. Because now it's saying, hold on a second, your message of the cross is not just saying this is a way for you. This is, you're saying this is a way for us. The other side of your message is, this is not just how you get saved, but how we also must be saved. So your message is simultaneously offering the way forward to be saved and also cutting off all of the other ways it's saying that the the judaism that you knew and the law keeping that you were living in that's not going to achieve the end that you want and it says the same thing to other religions today it says islam is not going to get you to heaven it says that sikhism and buddhism are not going to get you to heaven it says that there is no other way but the way of Jesus through the cross. And all other ways are wrong ways. Naturally, of course they are. Our modern day wants to sort of pat that down, doesn't it? And sort of minimize that obvious fact. You can't worship Jesus as God and not worship him as God. The, it's, the folly is ridiculous, isn't it? We can all see it so plainly. The message of the cross is offensive because it's a message to the world. It's not a private message. It doesn't fit within that sort of, that, that public space that many people would like it to sit, which is, that's okay for your private religion as long as it doesn't sort of go and start offending or impinging on anybody else. As long as it's got these, it's within this parameter, fine. But the message itself is a declaration to the world. It doesn't just sit next to other theories as a theory and says, saying, 
here's a possible way or here's, here's another mechanism that we think is better to achieve the outcomes that we're kind of all assuming that we want. No, it's a message to the world and it's saying Jesus is Lord. <laughs> he's not just an idea, he's, a, he's God who came into the world, lived, died for sin at the hands of people, rose from the dead, currently lives and rules, has the rightful authority over the whole world and over every individual life. He is the creator of all things. He made you, he made me. He owns all of this, he owns all of us. All of the world is moving in his direction for his purposes that's the world we live in. I'm not, the message of the cross is not offering a suggestion amongst others. Say, so this is the world we live in. There is a living king. And he's coming to judge the dead and the living, all people. And we must submit to him. And we all deserve to die. That's why he had to die. And the only way to be saved is to join yourself to him, to be raised to life with him. That's the only way to escape this. The message of the cross is offensive. The message of the cross says there is no raising up without first a bringing low. The message of the cross says there is no life without first death. You can't tag Jesus on. You can't come to Jesus and think that your life won't change. There's no, there's no restoration without repentance. The message of the cross says, if you want to come to Jesus, you must die to yourself. You must die with Christ. You must lay down all of your right to your own rule. You must confess that you are a sinner deserving of death. And you must say, I, I deserve to die with him. Make his death my death. There's no entering into life without that. And that is offensive because it's all of that together is the, is just such a loud <laughs> declaration against human pride. And that's probably where it becomes most offensive. It just, it's just right in the face of all human pride. It just is completely against the idea of any progress, anything that you could possibly boast in about yourself, any tiny little thing about the way that you look or some achievement that you've had or some success with your, your children or some success with your spouse or some success in your career. Everything, it just says, rubbish. The whole lot can be buried if you want to talk about proper significance. If you want to talk about actual significance, you've got to bury the whole lot. And you need a whole brand new start. And that's offensive. That is right against our pride. It's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on, Dave. There must be something about me that's worth saving. No. It's radical. It's completely radical. It goes against all human pride. Can, can, how obvious is that? 
How, how obviously is that going to be offensive in our world today? Because how hard does the world try to say the exact opposite? <laughs> we are wonderful. <laughs> you discover what's in you because I tell you it is awesome if you could find out what it is. Watch all the films. What's wrong with all the people? They were all just messed up by all the people around them. But them, oh, the character in the film, if only they were just let free to be who they are, what an awesome person they would have been. And that's the same for you. Each one of you is just terribly amazing. And you just just go and find it out. And don't let anybody tell you anything else. <laughs> hey? Is that not just Hollywood? <laughs> over and over and over again. We know deep down, we know inside ourselves, that message the world tells us about how great we are is just thin. Isn't it? It's just like air. It's just like nothing. We know that it's not true. How ridiculous. We know how messed up we are. We need the message of the cross. It's offensive. What can we do with it? We've got two moves. We can either adjust it and preserve ourselves. And that's what these people wanted to do. That's one way to get around it. And we see that, we see that in the world today. That's, that's a really popular way to do it. Look, he says the only reason those who want to make a good impression outwardly, There you go. They want to have friends. They don't want to be a pest. They are trying to compel you to be circumcised. And the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Yet, not not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. What do they want to do? They want respectability. They want to appear okay in the world. They want their group to be accepted. Now, what you've probably got is you've probably got three groups. So just bear with me, a tiny little bit of technicality. You've probably got the first group, which is the Jews. Then you've got the second group, which is those who, let's call them, they've become Christians, but they'd like to uh, accommodate. That's the people in the letter who are called the troublers, or those who distort the message, or those who are trying to have you circumcised. They're not Jews. That's not. They're not those people. They're people who have embraced the message of Jesus in some sense, but they're they're wanting to avoid the pressure and the persecution that's coming from the Jews. So they want to adjust the message and accommodate it just enough so that it fits within the parameters that the Jews are happy with. And then you've got Paul and whoever wants to stay with him, who's keeping the unadulterated gospel. And this being in this middle space is really, really attractive. And that was what was attractive for Peter, if you remember in chapter 2 verse 12, when people came from Jerusalem Peter, he withdrew from the the group around the unadulterated gospel moved into another group to say well, let's just sort of of move slightly out out of the line of fire so that we don't cause an upset and don't cause pressure upon ourselves. Really, really tempting to do that. And all you've got to do is you've just got to tweak the message in the tiniest little way. Just add circumcision to it. Tiny little tweak. And what you're going to do is you're going to keep the Jews happy. And hey, we can hold on to our Jesus message. 
Can you see how, how attractive that is? You've only got to adjust it the tiniest bit and now you can be respectable and presentable. You can fit in with the other groups around you and you won't get any pressure from sticking to this offensive, exclusive, cross-for-salvation-alone message. Is that not what's, what we currently see happening with large chunks of Christianity? Do we not see that? To make ourselves, let's just take away that one little bit that's offensive. And it's always the case, isn't it, that we're happy with this these large portions. Let's not, let's not stress too much about those. Let's just take off that one bit that's offensive. We're not really compromising, are we? Because we've got 90% in place. That's just what's going on in Galatia. But Paul can see straight through it. Paul says, you're not understanding the way circumcision, you're not understanding the way circumcision is being added. You're not understanding the kind of adjustment that you're making. The kind of adjustment that you're making is very, very small, but it's very, very significant. It's more like putting a very, 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 very small hole in a balloon. It's only a pin. It's the tiniest of holes. Paul says, yeah, that's exactly the point. This type of balloon doesn't do well with pinholes in it. Right? That's the way the gospel works. His analogy that he used was yeast in the leaven. He said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah, it's just the tiniest little bit of leaven. Paul says, yeah, that's how it works. That's what leaven does. It gets in and it changes the whole lump. It doesn't coexist in the lump as a separate thing without harm. Just like the hole, the pinhole in the balloon doesn't coexist with the rest of the skin of the balloon. So you take that little tiny adjustment, tweak the message, and boom, the whole thing goes. And that's why Paul's so urgent. That's why he can say in verse 11, see what large letters I use, I write to you with my own hand, exclamation mark. That's why he can say, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that you are so quickly deserting the one who calls you. That's why he's so urgent at the end. Guys, don't tweak the message. If you tweak the message, you lose salvation. This is why the reformers in the 1500s and onwards were so willing to continue to fight against the message that the Church of Rome had as expressed in these documents they had, which were called the Council, they had a council called the Council of Trenton. And in that document they, they made an expression about how you would be saved. And they included in that, in, in really subtle language, right down on a small, one of the small points. And you have to read it carefully to work out, but what they've done is they've just smuggled works in. They've smuggled in faith in Christ together with your own works is what secures your future for eternity. That's what guarantees you the inheritance. Tiniest little point, so much of it in agreement. The reformers could see, no, 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 that there is the pinhole. And that's blowing the whole thing up. So if that's the official teaching, that's not the gospel. You've totally got rid of the whole gospel. And that's exactly what Paul says. There's Paul saying, 
They're distorting the gospel of Jesus. This is the beginning, which is not another gospel. There is no other gospel. There's no other message that saves you. You will be lost if you take away the offense of the cross. Which is grace alone, completely free, through Christ, by faith alone. Receive him and receive the guarantee of the eternity in the new creation. That's it. Don't adjust the message. Persecution has run right through the letter. It's been there from the beginning. In chapter 1, verse 10, Paul said, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? That's the real danger there. Trying to please people. It was with Peter, fearing the circumcision party. It was in chapter 4, verse 29. Remember when he told the story about the two different sons being born from, one born from Sarah, the woman of, uh, the child of promise, one born from Hagar, the slave woman. And then remember his conclusion that he drew at the end. He said, at that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. That's his, this is the same theme running through the letter. He says in chapter 3, verse 4, Did you suffer so much in vain? And now here himself is saying, Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Watch out for the temptation to please people. That can happen at school. That can happen at the workplace, that can happen amongst friends. We want to just adjust the message so it's no longer offensive, so we can save face and avoid trouble. It's really, really hard. It's really, really tempting to do so. But beware that we don't adjust the message so that we actually lose salvation. And probably at the end of the day, All of that really is self-preservation in this world. That's what's happening. There's a falseness about it. What does Paul say is an alternative? Actually, let me just say these four things. These are just four other ways, four ways that it could be status. So we could lose our status. That can happen in the academy, the pressure. It it could be shame, so just the embarrassment, not having friends. It could be physical pain, and we know those who are in danger of physical pain. And it could be financial loss in the workplace. These are just some ways that cost might come for following Jesus and sticking to the whole message We've seen it with the C of E, the Church of England at the moment, and they just had their general synod last week, and they're debating whether or not they should accept these prayers that would bless same-sex marriage. And I believe that they've, I don't know, I don't know precisely, but I think that they've agreed that that's what they should do. They should keep the prayers whilst confessionally upholding um, a traditional view of marriage. Don't like that word, traditional. 
Um, true would be the other way to put it. And great pressure on them, right? And pressure to buckle, adjust, fit in with society, make it palatable. Don't have such an offensive message that God would have authority over our sex lives and over our identities. There's pressure. Paul says, this is the, the happy turn. Verse 14, what's his approach? May I never boast. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What? How can Paul boast in the cross? We've just said it's such an offensive message. How does Paul boast in it? The interesting thing is that this is the one thing that you can boast in which doesn't give glory to you. This is the one thing that you can fully boast in and it gives glory to God. Because by boasting in the message of the cross, what you're boasting in is you're boasting in God. By boasting in the cross, you're saying, I couldn't save myself. All that has been said about the offense of the cross is true. But in spite of my wretchedness, Jesus was willing to die for me. So I'm not going to let go of the message of the cross. I'm not going to get let, let go of that exclusive message of the cross because I'm not going to deny my Savior. This is the point where he expressed his love for me. Paul doesn't just say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me. No, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knows the cross is the place where the Son of God loved me and said, you deserve to die, but I'm willing to die for you. I will shed my blood so that you can have life. How can Paul not boast in that? Paul says, that's the point where I can say God alone has saved me. I won't not boast in that. His death was my death. He died for me. I will boast in the cross because the cross, as it speaks of the end of the old, that's a joy for me. Because I realize how wretched I am. I needed to get rid of the old. But, and with that perspective, he can say, yes, brilliant, out with the old. Because what comes out of the ground is the new. I am now new. I've been made alive. The cross speaks about the end of the old me, but the beginning of the new me. The everlasting, resurrected, on the way to glorification me. Reconciled with God. That whole, the, the extent with which death speaks of, of how severe sin is, is a wonderful thing for me. Because I say, yes, because there's no sin that can go further than, than the cross has paid for. 
There's no shame in my life. There's nothing that I could have done that the cross didn't go further than it and say, I can cover that too. Every single sin, the worst of sins, the cross, the, the cross speaks of death, so it goes all the way up. Nothing is so high. The cross is higher. The cross stands over it and says, the blood of Christ was sufficient. The Son of God died for you. You can't get a bigger payment. No debt could have ever been so big. The payment is so high. It's the precious blood of Christ. It's the precious blood of the Son of God. So it speaks of sufficiency. Paul says this this death, this cross is the portal into the new world. Because it, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision means anything, nor uncircumcision. What counts is a new creation. And there almost is like the message of Galatians. And, and this is what he said at the very beginning of the letter. And if you've got your Bible, turn back, because I want you to see this, because I want, I, want, I want this to stick in your mind. Okay, we're back at the beginning of the letter. Hopefully you've got chapter 1 there in front of you. Look what he says in verse 3 and 4. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's opening the letter. And often what Paul will do is when he'll open the letter, he'll talk about something that's on his heart, something relevant for the letter as a whole. And he'll often close the letter out with something significant too. What does he say in verse 4 about this Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age? He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. And here we go back to chapter 6. It is through the cross which the world has been crucified to me and I've been crucified to the world. And what only thing that matters is a new creation. That's two different ways of Paul saying the same thing. The cross is the portal into the new world. The cross is the way for you to be delivered from this world, this present evil world, with all of its value systems, all of its striving for your identity, all of its clutching for its security, all of its false, all of its pretense and its false presentation of glory, all of that madness, all of that effort, that whole works system of trying to secure your salvation with, with God and to beat death, all of that, just say goodbye to that. The cross is the portal where you are delivered from that. That is crucified to you and you're crucified to that and now you are a new creation and you enter in and you are made alive by the Spirit. And that is how God wants you, if you're a Christian, to see yourself this morning. By being joined to Jesus That's what's happened to you. You've died with Christ, down, and you've come back up into the new world. So don't go back into the old world, would be the message of Galatians. Don't be tricked into into both religious forms of that and all the secular forms of that. Don't Don't go back into any of the forms of living according to the pattern of the world. 
Don't try to save face. Don't try to find your place in this world. Be those people who are sowing and seeking the reaping of eternal life when the new creation is finally completed. And if you want to do anything with marks on the flesh, that's where Paul finishes. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of, Je- of Jesus. Probably the marks of persecution. Embracing the fact that we follow a crucified saviour. Those marks of Paul are Paul saying, I-, I really have turned my back on this world. I'm really not living for this world anymore. I'm living for the new creation. I've embraced the, the, the message of a suffering saviour. That suffering saviour is my salvation and I will glory in that and not live in the false the false messages that, of, that the world has to offer. And if there's going to be any marks on my flesh, they're going to be marks of me following in the path of him and suffering for his name and glorying in his name. And I think he puts it there out as he closes the letter. Because because that theme of persecution has been running through Galatians, he's not majored on it, he's not really called them to it so much, but I think as he's getting to the end, and we're saying, okay, we get it, we, we got the message, he's now saying, okay, now come. Probably gently, as the letter closes. Come. come become as I am. And follow this path. And embrace this suffering saviour and set your hopes fully on the world to come. Let's pray. Jesus, it's been so good to listen to your word, rejoice in your work for us together in this letter. We want to follow you and we want to follow you wholeheartedly and We want to follow the way of the cross in the world. We find it hard in so many ways. We need your comfort and your help by your spirit. We need you, Lord, to be at work in our hearts, changing us, giving us that courage and conviction. Uh, Like the early martyrs and like those uh, martyrs of today, please help us with our own uh, struggles in this world. Pressure, pressures that we face. We just confess, God, that though they may not be as extreme, they are still hard because they involve death to self. Please help us to follow you and to lift up your name and to rejoice in your message and not change it. And we pray for the salvation of our world. God, we want many, many, many people to come in to know the cross, not just as a fence, but as love, as truly that message of your love toward us and your salvation. We make these prayers in your name and for your glory. Amen.